Alleluia, Christ is risen. Today, in John chapter 10, we hear that this risen Christ is the gate for the sheep. Now, here's the thing. I'll admit, I don't know a whole lot about sheeps or sheep gates, but I do know a lot about baby gates. Yes? Yeah. This past year, I have gotten to know baby gates very well. My daughter, Sophia, pictured there. She's a year and a half. She hasn't quite figured out how to walk yet, but she is scooting around like a fiend to the point where we realized it is not safe to let her roam freely in our household. And so we put up a baby gate to keep her safe. Right? The baby gate, it, it blocks off a section of our living room. And in that section, we've gone through and we've covered up all the outlets so she can't stick her finger in there and electrocute herself. And, and we've gone through and we've removed all the choking hazards because she wants to put absolutely everything she finds in her mouth. And perhaps most significantly, what you can see in this photo is that gate separates our daughter, Sophia, there she is, uh, from our dog named Eva. Eva's 65 pounds, very energetic, three years old. And at first we thought, well, you know, this baby gate is going to be there to protect our daughter from the dog. We have learned it's actually the other way around. Yes? What happens is Sophia loves our dog so much. She's constantly just throwing food at our dog. She'll spend her, uh, her time in that baby gate passing her toys through the gate to our dog, and our dog will run off with them. But Sophia gets so excited about the dog, she'll grab the dog and pull her ears or pull her tail. And so if left alone with our dog, the fear is Sophia will do something to the dog that will cause the dog to react in a way that will ultimately harm Sophia. And so we put the gate there. And the gate keeps our daughter safe. Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep, because like that baby gate, Jesus is there to keep us safe, to protect us. But here's the thing. Jesus says that he has come to give us life, and indeed the baby gate and the sheep gate gives both the sheep and the baby life. But then Jesus says he has come that we might not just have life, that we might have life abundantly. And the honest truth is, while Sophia has life behind that baby gate, she maybe doesn't have abundant life. Already she's at the age where she has figured out there's a lot more fun things to do on the other side of that baby gate than inside it. And she wants out. And it's not just Sophia that wants abundant life outside of that baby gate. Annalise and I want life outside of that baby gate too. For instance, this past week we wanted to go to Hawaii. And it turns out in Hawaii, there's a lovely picture of us in Hawaii. It turns out in Hawaii... We can't just lock the baby in the baby gate. We, we tried, to be fair, we tried. Uh, we went, first of all, into our hotel room, uh, and we said, well, we could turn this hotel room into a giant baby gate. And we took with us a roll of duct tape. Yeah? And so we went through and we just duct taped over every outlet. We, uh, Sophia kept hitting her head on the corner of the bed, and so we duct tape a towel to the, to the corner of the bed frame so she wouldn't keep whacking her head on it, right? And our whole bedroom became a baby gate, Except even in Hawaii, life inside that zone is not abundant life. We wanted to go to the beach. Here we are at the beach. Now, Hawaii in the Pacific Ocean, there's big waves there. A little bit of a riptide. Maybe it's not safe. Maybe these waves will knock Sophia over and carry her away. 
like a thief or a bandit. But fortunately, there are little areas in Kauai called baby beaches. And what they've done is they have built rock wall barriers completely enclosing the sand. I don't know if you can see it in the background there. There are rocks, black rocks all lined up. And you can actually see the wave smashing against those rocks and spraying up. And on this side of that gate, the water's perfectly calm. And Sophia, she could sit on the beach and scoot around, and we put her, first of all, on the sand, but she kept scooting further and further and further into the water because she loved it so much, and we had to pick her up. But, you know, it never got more than a couple feet deep in there, and it was always nice and calm because there was a gate. But even there, that wasn't abundant life because we didn't want to spend our whole week either in a hotel room or in this one little section of a beach. And so we thought maybe we could expand the gate that will keep Sophia safe. And we went, uh, we went on a couple of lovely hikes, and we went and visited a farm. And what we did is we strapped Sophia to ourselves. Yes? So literally, my wife and I became a living gate for Sophia to say, hey, Sophia, you love animals, right? She loves feeding our dogs. Well, she loves feeding horses. There's also pigs back there. Uh, Kauai seems to be overrun with eight, literally 800,000 chickens run loose on Kauai. And she wanted to feed every single one of them, which technically she's not supposed to do, but it's her cracker. I guess she can do with it what she wants. That said, once again, we don't want her grabbing animals, so we have her attached to us as a living gate. But, but here's the thing. For Sophia to have abundant life, sometime she's going to have to leave our eyesight. Someday she's going to have to leave our side. A pen for sheep is a great place to keep them safe. But if a shepherd just leaves their sheep in that pen forever, eventually the sheep will graze down all the grass. They need either to be moved to be fed somewhere else, or the shepherd has to continually dump more and more food into their pen. And in ancient Israel, they didn't have industrial agriculture to grow alfalfa and and pour it in the way we do today. And so Jesus describes himself not as the wall of the sheep pen, but as the gate, because a gate can open and lead people out to green pastures, to the abundant life. But when we go out, of that sheep pen, out of the enclosed walls, the world is a dangerous place and there are bandits and thieves who come to kill and rob and destroy. And I don't just mean waves that might come and sweep Sophia away. I mean there are forces out there. There are people who seek like bandits to steal our worth and like thieves to rob us of our identity. In a very literal way, 1 Peter is speaking about this because 1 Peter is written to slaves. Slaves in the literal sense of people who are owned by other people and commanded to work for them. So our first verse that we read today was about how, um, you know, if you suffer being aware of God, well, that is an honor to you. But the verse literally before that says, Slaves, be obedient to your masters. And not just the gentle ones, the harsh ones also. And so maybe you can understand why we didn't read that in church today, right? Because 
post-slavery America is not enthused about reading slaves be obedient to your masters. This verse was in fact cherry-picked in the slave-owning South and told to slaves. Jesus says you've got to be obedient to us. But here's the thing. Paul, or Peter, excuse me, Peter is writing to people who don't have a north to run away to. There's no magic line where if you just get to the other side, suddenly you're free. And he's writing to people who, many times in Rome, there have been slave rebellions, right? Some of our favorite movies, Spartacus, is about slave rebellions in Rome, and every single slave rebellion in Rome ends the same way. It's the same way that Spartacus ends, with people lined up, nailed to crosses. Peter knows that he can't, by the means of this world, set his siblings in Christ free. But Peter also knows that the good shepherd can. Two verses before Peter says, slaves, be obedient to your masters, Peter also says, you who are slaves of God, live as if you are free. Peter is saying to those slaves, There is only one person who owns you, and it's not a human being, it is God. So live on this earth as if you were free, no matter what the law says. And you can imagine what that might mean for a slave to say, hey, I'm free in Jesus. I've heard the good news. No one on this earth can own me. I'm going to live as if I'm free. You can imagine how well that's going to go over with their master. Yeah, which is why Peter says, it is a credit to you if you endure suffering being aware of God. Because here's the thing. When we understand that we are free in Jesus, the thieves and bandits of this world will try to claim us. They will try to claim us, but the good shepherd alone has the power to name us. You see, the slave masters, the thieves and bandits of this world, they try in so many ways to convince us that they own us. It's ancient times and today. It's the same both times. In ancient times, they'd say to people, well, you know, you are a slave because of what you have done. You are a slave because you had too many debts and you couldn't repay them. You're a slave because you were on the wrong side of a war. You took up arms and you lost, and so now you're a slave. You're a slave because of what your parents have done. And so now you're born to me. And Today, maybe we don't say those exact same things, but I have no doubt that there will be a time in Sophia's life when she's in a relationship, and her partner might try to say to her, hey, you belong to me. I get to decide what happens in your life, and if you think you can do better, you're wrong because of all these flaws that you have in you. I'm the best you get. So I get to treat you however you want, because you're mine. And slave masters back in the day, they would try to instill fear in their slaves to say, hey, I can make life for you miserable on this earth, and this is all you've got. So you better do what I say, or you'll lose the one good thing you have. And I have no doubt there will be days in Sophia's life when employers will try to tell her, you've got to take all the abuse I dish out because you need this job. It's all you've got. And she may have false friends who say, hey, You only live once, so might as well enjoy your life. Put this in your mouth. Who knows what it'll do to your mind and to your body, but enjoy it while you can. And I have no doubt that back in the day, there were slave masters 
for when Christians said, you know what, I'm free, you don't control me, they would say, I bet I can make you dance the way I want you to. I bet I can beat you. I bet I can make you angry until you react in the ways that I have told you you will react. I will show you to be a base creature governed by your instincts and emotion, lashing out cruelly and violently, and then I will be justified in ruling you. And I have no doubt there will be trolls in Sophia's life who try to do the same, who try to push her buttons so that they can make her be the person they want her to be. But in response to all these slave masters, to these thieves and bandits who try to rob us of our worth and steal our identity, the good shepherd steps in. The good shepherd says, do you think something you have done means that you deserve to be owned by someone else, that you have some debt that you have to repay with this suffering and indignity? The good shepherd says, no, I have ransomed you. I have paid the price with my own blood, if necessary. You are set free. Do you think somehow that you have done something so bad that you could not be loved for who you are? Did you not see me go to the cross to suffer every wound and indignation on your behalf because there is nothing that will separate you from my love? You are set free. To those who say, well, this is all there is in life, the good shepherd says, no, you are citizens of heaven. You are people of the resurrection. For every death, there is a new beginning. This is not all there is. It is just the start of something more wonderful than you can imagine. So be set free. And when the trolls come and try to poke and push our buttons to beat us into becoming something that we never meant to be, the good shepherd calls us by your name and says, I know who you are. I know who you are. You are not what they want you to be. You are better than that. You are a beloved child of God. You are a royal priesthood. You shine with the eternal one's reflection. So they come at you with insults and beatings. Come at them with love and dignity. Show them who you are in Christ. Show them that you are set free. I have a few years in which I get to place Sophia in a baby gate. It won't be forever because she needs abundant life and she will need that gate opened for her. But in the time that I have her, I can do these few things. I can teach her that she is free. I can teach her the joy of movement, that her body can go and explore and see this vast, wide world. And I can teach her that her body has limits to not go where the waves will wash her away. I can teach her the values of who she is. I can remind her that she is someone who is generous at heart, who loves to give away every meal she has to a stray chicken or a beloved dog, so that when the world tries to tell her she doesn't have enough, she can say, no, I know who I am. There is always more to share. I can teach her who she is 
by giving her the opportunity to interact in this world. And what we discovered on this trip is she is someone who will wave to absolutely every single stranger she passes, either on the beach or in the plain, or if they're animals on the farm, or if they're trees in the jungle, she's going to wave to them. They may not all wave back, but that's okay. She doesn't stop waving. She loves being with people. And in this world, there will be folks who try to hurt her and take that away from her. And so I have these few years in the safety of a baby gate to say, know who you are. Know your name. So that when that gate is open and you step out to seek those green pastures and thieves come to try to steal your worth and bandits come to take your identity, you can listen You can listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd calling you by name, and you can say, oh, that is the one who knows who I am. That is the one whom I should follow. And you will come in, and you will go out, and you will have life abundant. God gives us a sheep pen. God gives us a baby gate through the scriptures, through the sacraments, through fellowship of other believers. God gives us a space in which we are safe, in which we can learn to hear God's voice spoken to us through the Bible, spoken to us through baptism and communion, spoken to us by people that we gather with to share our brokenness and find healing in prayer. And then Jesus opens the gate for us and says, go forth into this wide, wonderful world. Yes, there are thieves and there are bandits, but you have heard my voice. I know your name. So when I call to you, follow me. And I will lead you into the safety of the sheepfold and I will lead you out to the green pastures and you will have life and you will have it abundantly. It's almost like Jesus becomes for us a mobile sheep pen that moves with us and around us. And today I know we have these things because we actually set one up here in our courtyard This was a living nativity, Christmas of 2000. The sheep, they came to church with us, and then they went home. In Jesus' day, they didn't have mobile sheep pens like this. In Martin Luther's day, I don't think they had mobile sheep pens like this either. And so Martin Luther, he used a different image to describe how Jesus goes with us to protect us in our journey. He described God as a mighty fortress. But not a mighty fortress that's stagnant and still no... He wrote a song about a mighty fortress, a song that put the mighty fortress to music so it could dance. Sometimes we hear a mighty fortress is our God, right? This hymn Martin Luther wrote, and it's played very somber and plodding. Martin Luther wrote it to be danced to. It's meant to move because God moves with us. God journeys with us as the good shepherd keeping us safe. A mobile fortress who's going to the beach with us, who's climbing the mountain who's hopping on that plane. Here in this church, we strive for this balance of making this a place where our children can come and rejoice and have life abundant, but we also want this to be a place where our children are safe. We want this to be a place where our children can dance with this mighty fortress, but also be at a place where they don't knock over the candles. Yes? Yes. We're struggling to figure out how to maintain that balance, because I'm not Jesus, so it goes. But here's our plan for today. You'll notice there is a blue square rectangle on the, on the ground. Yes? We're going to start this as our sheep pen, but the kids, they're not going to stay here because they need to go out to the green pastures. So they, what they need to do is follow the good shepherd. 
over here on our cross, we've turned our cross into a maypole. Yeah? With strands, ribbons. So Danny is right now teaching the children when they come in, we will invite them at the end of the service to dance because we love their joy. But we want them to start off in the sheep pen and then to take hold of the cross. And then we will dance around the sanctuary with them in abundance of life, but following the cross, holding on to the one who gives us life. May we too learn in the sheep pen that God has given us to hear God's voice so that we may go forth into this wide and wonderful world to come in, to go out, to green pastures, to have life and have it abundantly. Amen.